If you have a Bible or an app or something like that, turn to Mark chapter 9, uh, start reading in verse 2. Let's start reading verse 2. Six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them, say led them, up a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. His clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Peter exclaimed, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. For they were all, shout all, terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Shout, listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. There is the reading. Shout amen. Please be seated. God, work your miracles today in this teaching in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who are just joining us, uh, we're in the third week of a series we've called Faith in the Midst of Reasonable Doubts. basic idea behind this series is that we have tons of doubts about God and faith and religion and life, and many of those doubts are reasonable. And the only way to get real genuine faith is to dialogue with those doubts. Today, uh, we want to teach a message entitled, Why Worship? Now, this is not a question that most of you are asking, but I'm convinced that beneath this question are at least two questions that you are asking. One being, uh, how... How does my faith work to change my life? And two being, how does my faith help me to get through tough times of suffering? How? Everybody say how. And I want to suggest to you that the power that answers both of those questions is wrapped up in this notion of worship. Now, We've been in this passage for two weeks, and we've been at what I call the valley, the foot of the mountain where uh, Jesus and the disciples have run into suffering, and they've run into evil, and all of that stuff with this father who has this little boy who's being attacked by this evil spirit, who's been suffering all his life, and the people to whom this book, this gospel of Mark is written to are in fact believers who at the very time that they're reading this initially, they too are going through persecution and suffering. They're being killed for their faith. And so this, this gospel has much to say to them about how does my faith help me to get through? And Mark wants them to know that the real answer to how to handle the valley is really up on the mountain with this notion of Jesus taking Peter, James, and John and revealing the totality of his deity. And there we find ourselves in this moment of worship. Everybody shout worship. worship. All right, three things we need to know very quickly. First, uh, we need to acknowledge uh, the obvious, and that is the meaning of worship is not exactly obvious. Most of us have various meanings for worship. For example, uh, many of us, if you say, where are you going today? We say, well, we're going to worship. We mean we're going to coming to this church. And for some of us, uh, when the time is up, we'll leave 
And in our minds, we will have left worship here. That's one picture. And even this notion of church and worship is so different and diverse. I mean, some of you grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition where there was this liturgy and uh, in some cases it was in Latin and the priest was speaking Latin and all you know is you were kneeling and getting up and kneeling and getting up and hearing stuff that you couldn't translate and or you grew up in a Presbyterian or a United Methodist or Episcopal uh, tradition. A lot of liturgy there, reading and prayers were said. And, you know, the folk were in robes and the preacher was very intellectual and you just didn't know what he was saying. And, and so at the end of the day, you just concluded like, wow, this is so boring. And not relevant to my life. And so that's your picture of worship, right? And some of you, I mean, somebody had to work really hard to get you in here because you, you had that picture like, oh, this is going to be so boring. Oh. How long? It's about an hour and 20 minutes to say, okay, I can survive. I can survive. <laughs> now, if you, like me, some of us grew up in... In the African-American tradition, what we call the black church. And we had a total different experience. I mean, church would start at 9 a.m. and about 4 o'clock p.m. We were really... <laughs> and, and, and Sister Sally would get the Holy Ghost five times. <laughs> and you're thinking, like, it's not possible for her to get the Holy Ghost five times. As a matter of fact, you know exactly when it's going to happen. <laughs> so, and so for some of us, that's our notion of church. It's, it's kind of contrived. That's how we see it. Uh, some of us grew up in charismatic, Pentecostal traditions. And, you know, uh, and I have all these streams running to me, by the way. So... Uh, uh, in certain charismatic Pentecostal traditions, you know, they make a prayer line and the pastor will come and he'll lay hands on you and, and, you know, he'll pray for you and the spirit is supposed to fill you and you're supposed to fall. We call that being slain in the spirit. But sometimes he lay hands on you and you stand. Now, I, I had one of our uh, staff person told me this story. I know it's true. And she said, it was a fascinating story. She said, so she was in the line and the pastor prayed for her and she was, didn't feel nothing, so she stood there. And, and I know he was thinking, like, she's supposed to fall. She's supposed to fall. So he's pushing her a little harder. And, <laughs> and so finally, finally, she was just standing there. So she said, so the pastor went back and, like, pow, hit her like that, right? <laughs> so, so our, our staff person said her first instinct was to hold back and hit back. Said, oh, I'm in the church. Hit no me. All right, so uh, that's some of our experience of worship, right? We feel like it's, it's uh, manipulative in a sense. And then, of course, let's not forget the Kool-Aid. I got in tons of trouble uh, weekend last weekend because we affirmed our elders and had a great congregational meeting. <clears throat> and during the time of the pastor's report, I was talking about how, what, how God had been good, blah, 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 blah. And I just happened to say, you know, we've all... We've all, we've all drank the Kool-Aid here. All right. So when I get out of here, I'm headed to my office, and my wife meets me in the hall, and she just, she's just like, how could you say that? I said, say what? She said, Kool-Aid. 
You can't say that. I said, wait a minute. I grew up on Kool-Aid, strawberry, grape. I mean, what are you talking about? She said, you're in San Francisco. This is the place where Jim Jones and, and Jamestown and hundreds of people drink the Kool-Aid. So let me come and correct this right now. Here at NBCC, we do not drink Kool-Aid. <laughs> we drink Tang. <laughs> Some of the young people are like, Tang, what's that? <laughs> but... That's some of our image for worship, right? This, this image of kind of being drawn into a destructive cult. That's what we think about when we think about worship. But that's not what Jesus wants us to think about when he, when he literally calls Peter, James, and John, and in the text says he leads them up to the top of the mountain, and, and in verse 3 it says his, his clothes became white, whiter than any bleach. Really, he, he reveals his glory. They're looking at him one moment, he's fully human, and they're looking at him the next moment, he's fully God, and the brightness of his deity shines out. Uh, 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 Jesus is saying uh, those images of worship, there's something more to worship than that. That's what Jesus is saying. And so, uh, we have different images. Two more points I want to make real quick. So secondly, I think we just need to accept, though, what I call just a basic reality. It's going to be a surprise to you. While we have different visions of worship, every one of us worships something. Whether you're religious or not, whether you go to church or not, you worship just because the way we shape, you worship something. A fellow by the name of uh, David Foster Wallace uh, gave a commencement. He's a famous novelist. Uh, wrote The, uh, the uh, Infinite Jest, was a, one of the great novels of the 20th century. And uh, he uh, spoke at a commencement address and he said, his fascinating thing he said in the speech, I'm just going to summarize it real quickly. What he said was, there's no such things, there's no such thing as not worshiping. He says, everyone is a worshiper. Uh, he says, the only thing we get to do is just surprise, to decide what we worship. And then he goes on and talks about, you know, here's one of the benefits of, of choosing to worship God, and he's not particularly pushing Christianity, and so he's got a list of those things. He says, because everything else that we worship pretty much will eat us alive. And then he goes through a list of the various things that we worship. He, he points out that some people worship money and materialism, and he talks about how that leaves you feeling the need for more and more. And he talks about how other people worship their body and beauty and sexual lure. And he talks about how that leaves you, how that leaves you in a bad place. And he says other folk, uh, they, they, they worship power. And he talks about how, how that leaves you uh, feeling weak and afraid and constantly trying to get more. And he says some people, they worship their intellect, this, this need to seem like they're smart in front of everybody. And he talks about how that leaves you empty and leaves you in a bad place and he's, he's not, 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 and then he says the, the bottom line is that what's so insidious about it is that it's, it's all subconscious uh, rather unconscious it's as though we have a default I like that point because at the end of the day God knows this this is why God says in Exodus 
uh, 23, he says, Thou shall have no other God before me. Or to put it another way, thou shall have no other God but me. Here's what he's saying. Here's what God's saying. If you will put me in the highest place of worship, if if you'll put me on the top ladder, right, of your honor and of your praise and of your love and all of that, then everything else will pretty much fall into place. Girlfriend, children, warriors. <laughs> but if you don't have God at the center of the top place of your life, if God is not there, then these other things tend to move into the place of worship. And speaking of the warriors. <laughs> Uh, not long ago, I, I got a chance a few weeks ago, the generosity of, of some people here. I, we, I, Rhonda and I got to go to a Warriors game. And I was shocked at how much it felt almost like worship. 20,000 people in the Oracle. And, and when they start doing the wave, and they started shouting, warrior, warrior, warrior. And, you know, Steph makes three points. They all go off and all that. The emotion and the energy and all of that. And, and, and I just started thinking about it just a little bit. You know, and I love, y'all know I love the, the warriors. I love the warriors. Love me some Steph Curry. All right. But, 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 see, God is here for me. And the warriors come in somewhere down here. You know? But I'm thinking about what if for some of us, God is not there. And, and you, you know how it is with the Warriors. Playoff times, we're changing our schedules. Some of us spend a lot of money to get tickets, you know. And, 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 if, and that's all good unless the Warriors is in the number one place of adoration and love. Because if that's the case, here's the point that Foster is making. Sometime, somewhere, what happens when the warriors lose? You see, I, I hope they don't lose the NBA champion. I'm, I'm almost willing to pray that they win. <laughs> if I say almost. <laughs> All right, but, 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 but even if they win this one, right? And they might even win the next one. But one day, they won't win. And you know, Steph Curry, as fabulous as he is, one day he's going to go the way of Michael Jordan, who went the way of Magic Johnson, who went the way of Larry Bird, who went the way of Wilt Chamberlain. You see, you see, you see, somebody's going to come. They're going to be better. They're going to break your record. You know, they, they're not here. And, 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 and the point is, if, the, if, 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 if somebody other than God, if somebody other than Jesus is in that number one spot, you're setting yourself up to be in trouble. But if God is in the number one spot, come on now, that's what Jesus said when, when, when he said, he, he, he revealed himself and then he said to his disciples in verse 9, he said, don't tell anybody until after, the, until after I've been raised from the dead. And, and, and the reason is this point right here. Because once, he, he, once he's been raised and they remember what they saw together, they'll remember that Jesus is the triumphant one over death and over evil and over suffering. And that if you put your faith in him, even if it looks like you've lost, you still won the championship because he got the last, he'll have the last word. 
Tell somebody you can't lose with Jesus. Tell them. All right, so I'm, I'm hoping that we will all then simply agree that God will be in that top spot, especially as we know him in Jesus. All right, so let's talk about, because I want to unpack, where does this power come from that will actually change my life and help me through tough times? And I'm arguing that it comes from worship. So we need to look at the anatomy of worship, how biblical worship works when it's focused on God, when he's in the tough spot. Three things about the anatomy of worship that I think is significant for us to note. Number one, <clears throat> biblically, worship involves gathering with others. That's number one, gathering with others. Everybody say gathering with others. In the Old Testament, for example, in, uh, in, in Psalms 100, it says, you know, shout to the Lord, uh, all ye, uh, and across the earth, uh, worship him with gladness. Uh, go into his, his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Uh, bless, give, bless his name, as the old King James Version says. And, and, and the question comes, why? And the next verse says, because the Lord is good, and his faithfulness endures from generation to generation. And that's, that's a mark throughout the entire Old Testament. And that happens in the gathered community. And then Jesus himself in the New Testament, he says in Matthew chapter 18 verse 20, he says, where two or three gather together in my name, or the New Living Translation says, as my followers, there I am, I will be among them. So there's power in worship, and the first thing that happens when we come together is that we recognize who God is and what place he ought to hold. And so this is significant. When Jesus got ready to go to God, he took not just one, he took Peter, James, and John, two or three, he took the three of them. And together they experienced, because they had to ask one another, did you see what I see? Did, 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 did that actually happen? Uh, how, how do we process what took place? And, 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 and that recognition and that remembering happens in corporate worship. I'm give you, everybody say power. power. It's power of recognition and remembering in corporate worship. Uh, one of our uh, staff persons, a Christian who's in charge of... Uh, our communications shared her story the other day with me and she said she didn't grow up a Christian her parents were not Christians she didn't know anything about church or Jesus other than what she heard on TV until she got to college and then she had some folk to invite her to church and so she went she was curious and she said so she went a couple of times and she ended up going to this uh, Bible study I'm talking about the gathered community and she said after the Bible study they linked hands and started to pray she wasn't praying she was just holding hands they were they were the believers she was just there and then she held hands and they were praying she said she really couldn't describe it but something happened to her she said she said it was as though God's power God's presence just filled her up and she said, when that happened, her, 
a revelation came. This is a brilliant young lady who would end up working for all these big corporations long before we got her. She said, but, but a revelation occurred. She said, in that very moment, suddenly, it became clear to her that Jesus was who he said. She said she didn't tell anybody because she didn't want to feel odd or strange so she kept it to herself and she left and she went back and she examined it and she says later on here's how she would talk about it now in that moment the Holy Spirit entered her life in a powerful way that's how she would talk about it now here's the deal for some of us when we show up in something like this and the singing starts to happen and the praying starts to happen and something starts to happen to us we get uncomfortable and we go back to the stuff of our history and it makes us want to belittle it. Now, here it is in the text. Here's how it happens in the text. So this holy moment is going on, right? Jesus, the glory is coming from Jesus. Everybody's bowed down. I mean, Elijah and Moses, they're up there. And this is, a, this is an amazing moment. And people are frightened to death. They say, I don't understand what's going on here. And Peter, Peter, he's like, I, I, he doesn't like being out of control, right? He doesn't like not being able to control everything. So Peter said, Peter, Peter said, no, no, I, I, got to, I got to bring this down where I can get it. And so Peter just pops up in the middle of a holy moment. And Peter said, hey, <laughs> hey, rabbi, hey, what's up? He said, what's up? He said, look, it's wonderful for us to be here. And everybody else is like, babe, will you be quiet? He said, no, no. He said, why don't we build? He reaches back in his, his Old Testament history and says, this must be like the Feast of the Tabernacles where you build these boots. He says, so why don't we build a shelter for you, Jesus? One for Moses, one for Elijah. Uh, and, and, and I always like to say that in verse 5 is the exclamation, hey! But in verse 6 is the explanation for the exclamation, right? And in verse 6 is as though a commentator's writing. He says, Peter said this because he really didn't know what to say. And they were all terrified. You know, the, you know here's the point. When stuff starts to move in your life and you're sitting in worship, you are tempted push it down, to minimize it, to push back from it, to ignore it, to reject it, to deny it, to put it in a place where you can explain it. But what Peter should have done was just be quiet and experience it and then exit and then examine it. That's what Christian did. And through the examination, allow whatever it is to finish having God's way with your life. So don't belittle God when he's moving in worship. Somebody say amen. All right. And then the second thing is if I don't fall, because I'm going to mess up my three-point shoot. All right. <laughs> the second thing is if we experience worship, God invites us to gather, but he also invites us to experience worship in everyday life. Everybody say live. live. That's a part of living. Now, so how do you do that? Well, what we learn here is what I call worship habits that we're supposed to translate 
into Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because we got to live in the valley. We got to take it down to the mountain, and we got to somehow navigate chemo treatments and navigate marriage issues and navigate our children's stuff. We, we got to navigate, and we need some power. And, 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 so, and so there's this, that what we experience here, we're supposed to replicate. Everybody say replicate. On Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday. Where is it at in the text? Here it is in the text. After Peter finishes talking, he says, a cloud overshadowed him. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son. Listen to him. Partly, part of that translation was, be quiet, Peter. I, but the other translation is the way you were leaning in trying to hear what he was saying to Elijah and Moses I want you to lean in every day of your life and try to hear what Jesus has to say to you and when you, when you replicate that desire to hear from Jesus every day he will begin to impart power in your life well how do you do it? I like the way y'all ask questions I brought some stuff here tell you how I do it. Everybody say daily devotion. All right, here's a word. Devotion, daily devotion. It means every day I set aside some time to make sure that I'm reminded that my highest devotion is to Jesus. All right. Now I don't set aside a lot of time. Everybody say bite size. You need bite size because if you sit down a lot, you're just not going to do it. I sit aside 15 minutes. Let me tell you what I do. I try to get to my office early for anybody else to get in there, and then I get my phone. And I got a lot of music on my phone, but I'm particular about what I listen to. I got a lot of Whitney on here, Whitney Houston. I don't listen to her in that moment. I, I got Michael Jackson. I don't listen to her. I got, I, got, I got Tim McGraw, but I don't listen to Tim McGraw. I got Elvis, but not in that day. I'm not listening. I got some Justin... Bieber on here, but I'm not listening to Justin in that moment, all right? Come on. I, I, I want some C.C. Winding. I want some Hill song. I, 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 I want some uh, 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 Tony Evans' uh, uh, son's uh, stuff on here, right? I, I, I want to listen, and, and, and they start singing. I put it on, and they start singing all the songs you hear up here. And they talk about God's goodness. They talk about God's grace. They talk about how God loves me. They talk about how God's forgiveness is around me. And when I hear it, I just start affirming. I say, yes, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for being present with me, whatever circumstance. Thank you for not forgetting about me. And I just, I'm just, I'm just you know, engaging as I'm, I'm, somebody say, worship. I'm worshiping, I'm worshiping. And, and then, and then for, I do that for a few minutes. Then I, I, I turn it down. And then I get out my Bible. And I go, I, and I'll tell you what you can read. You can either read the Psalms, if you haven't done this before, or the Proverbs, or the first four Gospels, first four books in the New Testament. Just pick one and just work yourself through it. Don't read a lot. Everybody say bite size. Just, just a few verses, just a little bit. And so I, on this particular day, I brought my devotion here. This is my devotional book. And on this particular day, I opened up and I was reading through John. And I got to chapter 6. And I got the way it said, Jesus took two, few, two fishes and five loaves of bread from a little boy and he fed 5,000 and there were 12 baskets left over. And then the Lord reminded me and I went back to Kings where this woman had this oil and she had only a little oil. And he said, get all the buckets you can. They got all the buckets. And, and she just started pouring. He said, just keep pouring. And she just kept pouring, kept pouring, kept pouring, kept pouring until they got the house full of buckets. And they couldn't get no more buckets in the house. Ran out of buckets. And the oil stopped. And then, 
And then, see, but, well, I forgot because before I started reading, I pray a little prayer. It's my prayer, Lord, speak to me. That's what I pray. Then I start reading. I start reading. And then when I finished, then I wrote. Let me tell you what I wrote. I wrote. Here's what I wrote. I wrote just a little bit. I wrote, Lord, today you said to me, use the oil I have and you will increase it. And then I kept writing. I wrote, you said, feed the people with what I have. It may not be a lot. I'm feeding y'all right now. Feed the people with what I have and you will increase it. And in both instances, there will be leftovers. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Close my book. Come on now. And then went on by my day of work and the power of God's word had guided me through that week. Come on now. Uh, uh, that's, that's how you release the power of God into your life. And you do that in bite-sized ways. Every day, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And sometimes I got questions and I got problems. And Rhonda can't help me. My staff can't help me. But I know somebody. Come on now. And so I go in my little 15-minute time. And I finish worshiping with my singing. And then, and, then, and then I read. Come on, that's worshiping. And then, and then I ask my question. Come on. And then I write. You got to write. That's how you process. That's why you got to write. You process what you said you're hearing. And that's worship. And, and sometimes the answer doesn't come. But about two or three days later, I'm talking to somebody. And the answer come. But I recognized it because I spent my time with God. Amen. Tell the person next to you, try it. You might like it. It will change your life. Right. And then the last piece here. Here's the point. As I finish up here. Here's the point. What we practice here. As you begin to relate to Jesus that way. You'll suddenly begin to realize. You're doing some strange things. Because in here you give money. That's teaching you to be generous. And before you know it. You'll start being generous out there. And every time you're generous to honor God, that's a moment of worship. And, and I discovered something else. If I say obedience, do you know that every time you do an act of obedience for the sake of honoring God, you worship him? Let me give you, let me give you a perfect example. You get into an argument with your girlfriend and she cusses you. And you know how to cuss. You're good at it. But you was hit, you were here. And you woke up that morning and you spent some time with God. And you bought the cuss. Come on now. But you realize that God is with you. And rather, and you don't want to dishonor God. So you choose, I don't like you right now. But I love God. Come on now. And I'm going to honor him and how I treat you. So you walk out and go to another room and turn on the TV. You just worship. Because you made the decision on the basis of honoring God, not getting hung. Every time you choose to do something, listen, y'all know I was fasting during the Lent season, right? You remember that? And, and y'all remember I had carbohydrates. So and I go, and when I go through the day, I see all kind of stuff. I had all kind of cravings. Cake over here, craving. Coke over here, craving. 
can that we are craving. I was just craving all 10, 12 times a day. But then I realized those were worship opportunities, y'all. <laughs> they were. So every time I run into a craving, I said, God, I choose you. And I walk off. Come on, I just worship y'all. And then, and, then, and then I run into another one. I said, God, I choose you. And, 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 and before I knew, I didn't worship 15 times on a Wednesday. Never came to church. No choir, no praise. Come on now. But it was a choice to honor God. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. And then at the end of the, 30, of the, of the 40 days, watch it. I was surprised at how God had changed me. Y'all remember? I told you, not only did I lose some extra and acquire this physique that I have <laughs> that's a gift from God <laughs> but I got small enough I didn't know it that I didn't need high blood pressure medicine anymore and so for weeks now, I don't know, six weeks, I haven't had to take, my wife is, it helps to be married to a doctor. So she's been monitoring me. Don't do this unless you check a doctor. Uh, uh, so she's been monitoring me. Here's my point. Here's my point. When you start worshiping like I'm talking about, every day in your choices, every day in your decisions, every day in the time that you spend with God, slowly, God will start changing you. And you won't realize it initially. But sometime down the road, you, you, the cynical in you will become sweet and sensitive. Somewhere down the road, the impatient in you will become patient. Somewhere down the road, some of those habits that you can't break will start breaking by themselves. Come on. And, and you'll wonder, what happened to me? Well, what happened is that the power of God began to just seep into your life. Change your heart. Shout power. power. All right, let me end it here because I'm finished. Shout service. All right, here it is. Three things. So one, uh, well, biblical worship means gathering with others. Biblical worship means replicating every day in my personal life. And then biblical worship also means service. Romans 12, 1, the NIV version says, I beseech you, I beg you, brothers and sisters, to present your bodies as living sacrifices to the Lord because of of, of, of what he's done uh, holy acceptable and pleasing in his sight and then the King James Version says this is your reasonable act of service the NIV Version says uh, uh, this is your proper worship the older NIV Version says this is your spiritual worship that's because the word translated there for worship is the same word translated for service. And the notion is that there's an aspect of worshiping God that requires us to serve others. I was talking to my friend, George Henneman, who's a pastor back in uh, Seattle. I said, George, I'm trying to explain this to the church. I don't know how I'm going to explain this. He said, Herman, it's just this simple. He said, I've never met your 25-year-old son, Jonathan. We've talked about him over the years. Yes. He said, if tonight I got a call that Jonathan flew into the airport in Seattle and he missed his connection, it's two o'clock in the morning. And he said, the call that you told him to call me, he said, what I would do at two in the morning is get up, go get him, bring him to my house. He would stay here as long as he need to. I'd feed him, I'd take care of him. I need to give him some money. I'd give him money. 
until he got ready to make the next step. He said, I'm not doing it because I know Jonathan. Because I don't know him. I'm doing it because I know you. And I want to honor you by serving your son. Y'all following me? <laughs> and this, this is why Jesus says in Matthew 25, he says, he says, he says, he says, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in, in prison, you came to see me. When I was a, a stranger or an immigrant, you took me in. Uh, and, and somebody asked, well, when did we do this? And he said, as much as you did to the least of these, you did to me. In other words, Jesus says, worshiping me means looking out for other people who need some help. And you go serve them. And if you do it to honor me, you worshiping. You worshiping. You worshiping. You worshiping. You worshiping. So I got some news for my servant. You know, we got 400 volunteers in here. This is why we tell y'all the service. When people are out there at the hospitality, cook, uh, cleaning up and, and giving you donuts, come on, they serving. Come on. When the people set up and, 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 and tear down in here, they serving. But you know what they all said doing? They're worshiping. They're worshiping. And so we're going to Columbia. Middle school next week. You know why we're going? We're going to worship. We're going to worship. Now, we're going to get some other folk from the community. They're going to gather with us, but we're going to bring hundreds. And, 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 and the other folk, we're going to be cleaning out classrooms. The other people are going to be working, but we're going to be worshiping. And we're going to be, we're going to be painting stuff on asphalt, uh, uh, these little images to inspire people to go to college. Other people are going to be working. We're going to be worshiping. We're going to be hanging 36. They only got 36 classrooms. We're going to hang new projectors in every classroom, which is going to revolutionize their teaching capacity for the next generation. And other folk will be working, but we will be worshiping. And, 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 and people are going to look around, and they're going to say, where all these people come from? And this is strange. They're all strange. I mean, what, what are they? They're black and they're white. They're tall. They're short. I mean, you know, and they all, what, what, what are they? Where do they come from? And we're going to be able to tell them, uh, we, we've come because we have, we've come to honor Jesus by serving the school. Good God Almighty. And as we do that, as we do that, I think of, and I'm finished now, I think of, I think of Revelation chapter 5. Here's where it comes into focus, verse 11 and 12, because it says that when Jesus, uh, when, when, when we all get into eternity, it says thousands and millions of angels are gathered around Jesus in this scene, and, 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 and it says they start to sing. You thought the singing was awesome here. They said they start to sing, thousands and millions of them, and they were all singing the same chorus, and they said worthy. Everybody say worthy. Worthy. That's what worship means, to ascribe worth, and, and, and when you say worthy is the lamb, they talk about Jesus who was slaughtered. Now, they're not trying to build up his ego. They're not trying to raise his self-esteem they're just reminding themselves that because of who Jesus is and what he did on our behalf he is worthy to receive our praise come on now and then they get specific they say worthy is he to receive all power all riches all wisdom all strength 
all honor, all glory, all blessings. Here's what they mean. Here's what they mean. When you make Jesus like in your daily devotion, the center and the highest point of your life, it means to bring whatever power you have and put it at his feet. To bring whatever money you have and put it at his feet. To bring whatever wisdom you think you have and put it at his feet. Bring whatever little strength you have and put it at his feet. And then add honor and glory and blessing. And what will happen is a transformation because when you give your power to Jesus, come on now, he'll change how you use power. When you give your money to Jesus, he'll change how you use money. When you give your wisdom to Jesus, he'll expand your insight. When you give your strength to Jesus, he'll multiply your capacity. And all of that will come honor and glory and praise. And that's what we're doing at Columbia. And when all of them look at us do it, they'll see God in the midst. And we'll declare we're worshiping. Shout amen. All right, so here's where we include. Take your connection, God. Check any one of these next steps, you'll be worshiping. But I want you to put it under response. You want to come worship with us next week? I want you to put, next week, I will show up and worship. Now, are you going to show up here? I'm sorry, you didn't hear me. Are you going to show up here? Won't be nobody here. Where are you going to show up at? Columbia Middle School. You're going to roll up your sleeves. You're going to take paint brush, brush, tools, and you're going to honor God through service. So if you just simply put, I will show up and worship. Turn this in. We're trying to get a count of the hundreds of people who's going to change Columbia Middle School with their worship. God bless you.